evening and welcome back to part four of our parenting seminar. We have spent the last two weeks going over the principle of grace, so we're going to get to principle number three tonight, which is the law. But before we do that, let me pray for us and ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we come to you asking for your help tonight as we open your word and as we look at your law and the purpose of it, Lord. Help us to use the law as it was made to be used, Lord, which is a way to honor you. And I ask that as we look at the different uses of the law and the purpose of the law tonight, that you would instill in us a love for your word and a love for your law, Lord, that we may honor you through it and that our children may do so as well. And I pray all this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. So tonight, I want us to lean into this principle here. Your children need God's law, but you cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish. Your children need God's law, but you cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish. A few weeks ago, we read Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We've already uh, broken down this passage into several categories of helpful and unhelpful ways of understanding it. And as we discussed a few weeks ago, that this passage is not a guarantee. We can't just put the law into our children and expect an output of obedience. The law is important, and we should be teaching it. However, the Spirit has to be at work in order for the law to have any kind of effect on not only our children, but ourselves as well. So apart from the Spirit's work, the law can seem like just a bunch of rules to follow. And they can even be a source of contempt or bitterness or hatred. The law can become a means to push the limits. You know, counting to three may work for some, but others, for others it may turn into a means to continue whatever they're doing it just a little bit longer. The law for us has to be in its right place. It's no babysitter, and it's no substitute for that which we cannot do, which is change hearts. So this is an important reminder that the law, if used incorrectly, can be a dangerous thing. The law, when used in its proper place, can be an effective tool in shaping our children. So let's look at the law and grace and how they interact with one another and how they play off of one another. So what is our job as parents? Think about that. We are to nurture, we're to teach, shape, protect, shepherd, counsel, and love. God uses us to form our children's character, so we aim to see things like obedience and respect, honesty in our children. And the law does have a role in that, but what we need to recognize is this. If the law had the power to change our children's hearts, rescuing that child from themselves and giving them a heart of faith, then Christ would never have had to come in the first place. That's a sobering thing. Let that sink in just a little bit. This is why we need to have a proper understanding of the law so that our children can have a proper understanding of the law. So let's begin by looking at 
why the law is important to both of our both our children and us as parents. The law has many uses. Theologically, we have a framework that helps us here in that there are three uses of the law. Let's first turn to Romans chapter 7. We're going to read Romans 7, 7. And it says this. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So this is the first use of the law. What does Paul teach us here about the law? We see what we would call, a fancy term, the pedagogical use. This is the first use of the law. It reveals the perfect righteousness of God and our own falling short of it. So just as Paul says, through the law we find knowledge of sin. That's why he says there in verse 7, Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. St. Augustine writes, The law orders that we, after attempting to do what is ordered, and so feeling our weakness under the law, may learn to implore the help of grace. R.C. Sproul, in his book, uh, The Essential Truths of the Christian Faith, says this, The law highlights our weaknesses so that we might seek the strength found in Christ. Here the law acts as a severe schoolmaster who drives us to Jesus. So think about why the, this use, the pedagogical use of the law, may be a benefit to our children and to us as parents. This helps them see who they are and who God is. Uh, hopefully it helps them to properly see the law uh, in a way that helps them understand their sin and helps them understand the nature of God and His grace. So, the law reveals sin in our hearts, but it also does other things. Let's turn a couple chapters to Romans chapter 13. We're going to read verses 5 to 7. And this is what it says. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect the one whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. So what is Paul teaching us here about the law? Well, this is the second use of the law, which is the civil use. It is used to restrain evil. This is why we have laws in our country that say you can't just go around killing people. You can't just go around robbing banks. The law in and of itself cannot change human hearts. However, it can serve to provide justice. R.C. Sproul again says that the law allows for a limited measure of justice on this earth until the last judgment is realized. So, what does this use of the law do? What does a good understanding of this law for our children do? Well, hopefully it keeps them out of prison, right? <laughs> so, why, why might this civil use be a benefit to our children and to our parenting? Think about that. Properly seeing the law through this lens help them, helps them understand the nature of right and wrong and 
that there's consequences for things. A lot of times, children grow up without consequences and they just they, they get to adulthood and they don't know how to handle themselves. So instilling this into our children in a godly way, not a harsh way, can help them understand that there are consequences to actions and that they need to properly think through these things. So we have the pedagogical use, we have the civil use, and lastly we're going to look at the third use. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to read verses 3 to 6. 1 John 2, verses 3 to 6. It says this, And by this we know that we have come to know Him. And if we keep His commandments, whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word in Him truly The love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. So here we have the third use, which is the moral or normative use. This uh, use of the law reveals what is pleasing to God. Sproul again says, As Born again children of God, the law enlightens us to what is pleasing to our Father, whom we seek to serve. The Christian delights in the law as God delights in it. This is why Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, what did he say? Keep my commandments. This is the highest and most important function of the law, is to serve as a way for the people of God to give him honor and glory. So again, I ask the question, why might this use, the moral and normative use of the law, be a benefit to our children and to our parenting? Well, it gives the proper understanding for obedience and faith. We're not just robots who are blindly following orders. God shows us his love and also gives us a way to reflect that love right back to him. This is where we need to focus our efforts in regards to the law with our kids. So there's these three uses of the law, and we need them all. Our children are born with a desperate need for God's law. They need the grace of wisdom that God's law only can show them. Paul Tripp in the book Parenting uh, says, children need to be given tracks to run on and boundaries to stay inside of. There's many dangers that Children need parameters on. And they need these parameters because they don't have the understanding of the world around them that we do as adults. And they also need the law to show them the grace of conviction. Our kids will have no idea that they're a sinner in need of rescuing without the standard of God's law. So the law is good in not only exposing our behaviors, but also our hearts. And this is good for us as parents because even though Behavior may be bad and need to be changed. Okay, it's, it's good for behavior to change, but heart change is what we are truly after, and God's law helps reveal the areas which we struggle so much in and helps us to understand how we can change in light of those things. So, again, going back to our main point today, we, can only, we cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish What are ways that we might be asking the law to do what only grace can accomplish? Think about this. Think about the ways that we 
place our trust in the law, thinking that it will do what only grace can accomplish. I have a few, but I want you to think about some for our time of discussion. But Christian education, think about this. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a great thing, right? But it's not a substitute. We can't expect to send our children to Christian schools and come out perfect Christians in the end. A lot of times it actually does the opposite effect, unfortunately. So we need to be aware of that, and we need to uh, be involved and invested in our children's education, no matter whether it's private, uh, Christian, homeschool, public, whatever it is. We need to be involved and walking alongside them. Sending them to Christian schools is a great thing, but if, if they're not actually learning from the heart and only learning in the mind, then it, it can be a, a troublesome thing. It's asking the law to do something that only grace can accomplish. Another one is just blind reading of Scripture. And what I mean by that is reading it but not showing application or need. And I think it does need to be said that God works through His Scriptures in various and many ways. So just reading Scripture for reading Scripture's sake can result in change because the Spirit works through His Word. However, I think this is a good reminder that we need to be instilling a love for the Scriptures in our children. We need to be instilling a love for the the Word of God in our kids. We need to teach them how to read Scripture. We need to teach them what it means to apply Scripture. We can read passages with our children and ask, what does this mean and how does it change us? But we can't just expect to send them to their room and say, you need to go read two chapters of this. Or, you need to go take your Bible class uh, and expect that to change. That, that cannot change our children, only grace can. And lastly, just another one that I was thinking about is discipline without grace. Our kids do need to be disciplined in various ways. This looks different for all parents. But our children do need to understand the consequences of their actions. But if we discipline them without teaching them and without showing grace and love, then what good does it do? A lot of times it can just result in bitterness and contempt towards us as parents. So we need to be aware of how we discipline and how we teach them in the midst of that discipline. Again, we discipline in various ways. I'm not here to tell you how to do that. But again, just a reminder that as we do so, we're to discipline them in the same way that God disciplines us. He does it because He loves us. and He does it because He cares for us. And He's trying to teach us and shape us and mold us. Not just so that our behavior changes, but that our hearts will change. So without the intervention of God's grace, then our children will not be who they're supposed to be or do what they're supposed to do. And the law has no ability to deliver them from their mess. So how can we model and teach the law to our children in a way that shows them that the law is not just a bunch of rules to follow for the sake of following, but rather as a means to glorify God and magnify His grace? It's a loaded question, but think about it. There's going to be no lack of opportunities for you to speak to your children about the inescapable need that they have of God's grace. And it starts with you and I. It starts with us as parents. And the best way 
to teach kids about the importance of obedience and the law is to model it in the way that we interact with our spouses, with others, and to them. One uh, way that uh, the law has really helped me in my understanding of it is when I even just looking at the Ten Commandments. If you take each one of those, there's a lot of negative in it, right? It says, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. But you can take just about all of those. Let's take murder, for instance. Do not murder, right? I think hopefully most of us fit in the category of following that commandment uh, to the T in regards to what it actually says. Do not murder. And we know that Jesus, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, digs in a little bit here and says, well, if you've had anger with anyone in your heart, then you've murdered them in your heart. Um, so we've failed in that realm. Uh, but if you... If you take the law and and something like do not murder, right? Not only is it good to not murder, right? It's not good to kill people. But there's also a positive aspect to this commandment as well. We need to value life. We need to promote life. We need to enjoy life. We need to protect life. So not only is there, there the negative do not kill, but there's also the positive. Enjoy life. Protect Value life. You can take things like do not steal. Yes, do not go rob a bank, right? But in your heart, also promote honesty. Promote kindness. Promote generosity. Do not covet. Yeah, we don't need to be jealous and envious of of things that people have, but we should also celebrate the fact that God has blessed them in many ways. So there's always these positive and negative aspects to the law. And that's helped me in tremendous ways in understanding the law and what it what it means because if we only focus on the, the negative portions of the law like the do nots then that's where we can become bitter and frustrated uh, and it, we can also become legalistic in ways and we don't want that for our children we want them to understand why we follow God's law so let's conclude by turning to Titus chapter 2 Titus 2, verse 7, and it says this, Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. Now, what is Paul teaching here in regards to modeling? And I know that he's speaking to someone much older in Titus than our children, but it is fitting that he's teaching someone younger than himself here. And he desires that Titus is a model to others. And we too need to be a model for others, especially our children, that the law is important. It helps mold us. It helps point us to Jesus. When our kids see us showing them that in a healthy way, it's far more likely that they're going to see it in the right way, just as that proverb that we read earlier, Proverbs 22, 6. Teach a child up in the way that he should go. When he grows old, he will not depart from it. The more that we model this for our children, the more likely it is that they are going to model it as well. So, it's a good uh, reminder and, and application for us that we need to be mindful of the way that we speak to our children in regards to our disappointments, in regards to our expectations, the quote-unquote law that we present to them. Think about it this way. If our children hear things like, I can't believe you did that. 
Or after all that I do, this is the thanks that I get. You don't want to know what's going to happen if I have to come up those stairs. Can you just be quiet for once so that I can have a moment of peace? Should we expect to hear things in return like this? What a wise and loving parent. I wish they would keep saying these wonderful things to me. I'm so thankful that this person is my parent. We shouldn't expect those things. If our application of the law for them is harsh and severe and ungracious, we cannot expect the law to do what only grace can do. And if we're going to impress the law upon our children's hearts, then we must be showing them that it has made an impact on us and that it has been changing us along the way. I want that to be our prayer this week as we parent, as we wrap our heads around how to apply this. Let us be reminded that we need to love God's grace and allow God's grace to be an instrument into which we can teach our children why the law is important. We're going to spend some time discussing this a little bit more, but before we do that, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you that you have given us your law. We thank you that you have shown us what it means to follow you and you've given us a means to glorify you, which is through following your commandments. I ask that you would be with these parents as they teach this to their children. Remind them each and every day of the grace that you've given them so that they can be an instrument to give that grace to their children. And I pray all this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. Amen.